This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Eric Branson. with me as always, my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, how are you? I'm doing good. Summer's wearing me out, though. <laughs> yeah, well, look, for, it's, look it's, forward to the time off for so long, and then you get it. And it's the busy. Midwest, though. It goes from, like, it's still fucking cold into spring, and then all of a sudden it's like 85. So, yep, yep. Yep. It was it was uh, nice. Yeah, he had, had a nice like midwestern weather trick pulled on us where it was like 85, 90 the week before our vacation. It was in the 60s and rainy most of the time we were on vacation, and then I came back and it's 85, 90 and sunny again. So it's like, oh, yeah, nice. thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. So. Where where I was as I was <laughs> telling you before we recorded, uh, where I was, they, Utah had a very wet spring, and with the wet spring comes some absolutely beautiful scenery. Uh, I've never seen the flowers and the cactus blooms and all that quite mm-hmm. like that. It was impressive. But also came the blood-sucking gnats, whether you know, the biting midges or cedar gnats or no seams, whatever the hell you call them that nothing works on them. Um, yeah, they were absolutely horrible. So <laughs> That just sounds like a nightmare, actually. So. <laughs> well, it got to a point where you couldn't even work. You'd sit down to work on something and they would immediately swarm your face. And mm-hmm. I noticed that the day we spent there, when everybody got back to our campsite, everyone was just exhausted, not because we had done a lot, but because everybody was just swatting all day. So right. everybody's just worn out from swatting. Yeah, that does not sound like a whole lot of fun, but... No. Not, no. The, the bug aspect. But. The bug aspect's terrible, but otherwise, you know, it was okay. Yeah. So, well, But uh, in, in the interim, because we haven't actually recorded in a couple of weeks, but... Um, See any uh, cool movies other than the one we're going to talk about tonight? Um, I did. I saw the uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I, I know you're working, you're working trying on to get one, to. Yep. Yeah, that was uh, incredibly good. And I, I really, really enjoyed the first one, and I feel like this one's on a par, if not. And and, and like I, we were talking about earlier, but I think stylistically they pushed the kind of animation stuff even further, and it's just, it's just such a cool movie, so... Very entertaining, good good movie. Yeah, that's one I want to see in the next few days. Uh, for Father's Day, we went and saw The Flash. Nice, and yeah. I, so we're the opposite, because that's the one I'm yeah. itching to see, too. It, so. it, it's sad that it's tanking at the box office, um, but it, it is a lot of fun. I've yet yeah. to meet someone who's seen it that didn't enjoy it. Um, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's cool seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman. You know, that's, oh, yeah. I'm Even sure, just the trailers got me excited about I'm that. I'm sure there's so. a lot of people that that's the only reason they're going and that's fine just it's a fun time so i'd be going either way but it's 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 making me hurry a little more i think that (laughs) uh it's also just like this strange like coincidence and i know i'm not drawing comparisons to the 89 batman with this movie besides the presence of michael keaton is probably uh not exactly correct but 
89 Batman's one of the first movies I remember going to see with my dad, like, growing up. Um, and, like, I was, I would have been exactly the same age as my kids are now. I was six when that came out. So it's like... Oh, cool. Like, ooh, I get to go watch Michael Keaton play Batman again. Like, it just seems... I don't know. That's really it's probably, cool. It's, for me, it's probably cool. For them, they're not going to care. But Well, I'd make that happen just for you, though. So, I mean, not to yeah. force your kids to go to a movie, but <laughs> I think they'd like yeah. it. It's it's funny yeah. enough where it would definitely hold a kid's attention. They so. saw, I mean, they, they were in right when they saw Batman in the trailers. They're like, yeah, I want to see a movie with Batman. Because they haven't seen many of the live-action yeah. Batman movies. So, yeah, they're going Well, and I, and, uh, I keep hearing yeah. rumors that Kevin Smith has a copy of the director's cut of Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever, and he plans on reviewing it on his podcast um i've heard that too and that's great I, I, the, the I just want to see cut. it <laughs> i just want to see the schumacher cut um right because honestly i i always i always like that one i actually like all of the batman movies in some of the like of the yeah. four like that universe um and yes i know that includes batman and robin i like batman and robin for entirely different reasons than the rest of them but <laughs> it feels uh, like more of yeah. a adam west style yeah, it, it's you know. it's a really stupid movie that at times is head scratching of like why why were they why did they go to this direction why do they think this this works but it's actually in that context it's a pretty funny um, I don't know entertaining movie <laughs> so yeah like, well uh, I didn't I didn't mind the Val Kilmer you know Batman I thought actually he was mm-hmm. he was pretty good um, it worked. Uh, I actually, and people complained. I remember, like, oh, it's so much brighter than the Tim Burton stuff. And yes, that's true, but I have no problem headcanning that kind of shit. So I was like, well, yeah, man's been doing his job. Things are brightening up a little bit. You still have problems, but Gotham is clearly th- more thriving throughout the movies. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's having an impact. I've never really, uh, I've never really felt that. I don't know why I get give this a free pass when in other, other, franchises i don't but batman movies i never have felt like they need to have a heavy continuity yeah, to them like they really don't wise like i'm just fine with diving in you know you got you got the necessary ingredients and that's all you need to, to do batman right like, right right um, i guess the question comes down to how dark do you make it and that's i think one right. of the things that turn people off but and i've mentioned this before the the original tim burton batman are clearly pretty heavily inspired by frank miller who was uncharacteristically yep. dark with Batman. I mean, Batman was always a darker comic, yeah. but not that. Well, they took dark. that like kind of quasi out of time style that they have to mm-hmm. where it's kind of old, kind of nineteen thirties noirish, but at the same time, there's modern technology, and um, they I think they borrowed a lot of that from the Frank Miller books. Yeah. I think that's there in those, um, and then obviously the the uh, animated series ran with that. And, yep. I, and now that that whole kind of um, noir influence and that animation style that kind of defines Batman in a lot of ways. Like that, mm-hmm. I, that feel that all feels very. And when I see something like, not that I dislike the modern Batman films, but the Nolan Batman films and Matt Reeves' recent uh, mm-hmm. the Batman, um, I kind of miss that a little bit. Like they're they're yeah. gritty in real life and and all this stuff. And I I enjoyed all of those movies, honestly. But yeah, I kind of miss that. A bit, a little bit of fantasy I, universe that they took place in. So. Absolutely, I think. Yeah, you're right because the the Nolan and the Reeves one, they're more recognizable cities like Gotham City. You can clearly see in Nolan, it's like oh, it's a stand up for Chicago. Okay, you know, like it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they they created so many sets for really you know you mentioned you never really thought those four needed continuity there's surprisingly a lot there if you if you look at it because there even is, going up yeah, to there is. batman and, and robin they still have that kind of out of time noir 30s inspired mm-hmm. that you were talking about it's still there plus you have the same alfred in all the movies so and uh yeah, commissioner Goff, yeah. and commissioner gordon yep. so yeah it actually does have more continuity in a way than it than it doesn't which is strange right <laughs> But, and that perfectly leads into the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we were so on point with the, yeah, good context. But what we watched for tonight was a 2002 Brazilian film, The City of God. Nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay. Rio de Janeiro, The Beach, The Nightlife, The Romance. But 15 miles from paradise is a place called the City of God. A place where one man must infiltrate a war between two crime lords to tell a story the world needs to know. This one came from a list of audience picks that we have. And I just put a call out. So if you're listening and uh, you want to make some audience picks, looking for a few more for the summer, our list is starting to dwindle and like to get some, some fresh blood on the on the audience picks list. So if you have an idea of a forgotten film or guilty pleasure that you'd like to submit to the podcast, we'd like to uh, like to get it on here. So, um, But yeah, City of God, uh, 2002, directed by Fernando... Uh, Mieres and uh, Katia Lund um, written by and you're going to have to excuse pronunciations here but Berlio Mantovani and I should have practiced beforehand but uh, (laughs) uh, based on the novel by uh, Paulo Linz um, semi-autobiographical novel by Paulo Linz so get a quick synopsis for this one In in the poverty stricken Favales, which is, I believe is the word for slums of Rio de Janeiro in the 1970s, two men choose different paths. Rocket is a budding photographer who documents the increasing drug-related violence of his neighborhood. And Jose Zay uh, Pequeño is an ambitious drug dealer who uses Rocket and his photos as a way to increase his fame as a turf war erupts with his rival, Knockout Ned. The film was shot on location in Rio's poorest neighborhoods, and that's not entirely true after reading the Wikipedia page. But uh, yeah, that's that, that is yeah. generally the plot of the movie. I was really referring to the location shooting, but right. so. it's a it's a very heavy film. It is, yeah, yeah. So it's about you know characters. It's it's in a lot of ways it's a coming of age movie about characters growing up in the the, the poorest of the slums called the City of God, um, mm-hmm. in English. And, uh, yeah, outside of Rio de Janeiro and, um, kind of the trials and tribulations and, and basically the, the way that drug gangs started to run the slums and mostly made out of, you know, teens and young kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the kind of stuff that you hear about now, like with Sierra Leone and things and, you know, like the, the Mm -hmm. abuse of children in these 
you know, organized crime or, or you know, uh, coups and shit like that. Um, but yeah, you don't really think about how young some of the kids are that are getting incorporated into this type of organized crime world. Yeah, I mean, and I in think this area. We, we tend not to talk about it as much here, and I've always felt like it's a little bit of a mistake to kind of hide um, information and news and, and, and just just stories about gangs and in this in, especially in the urban areas um but i think it's i don't think it's much different here with street gangs like you know for instance in chicago sure. i think i think the kids are I mean, that's who you target those are the people that you need yeah. you, you take you know threatened youth people that need that support system they don't have it at home or whatever and then they you know come to yeah. these people because they will provide for them in a way and then yeah so. Yeah, and this one, so it takes place in the the sixties. Yeah, the starts beginning in, of the eighties. Yep, yep. And uh, Rocket, the main character, is our kind of our narrator that guides us through. Um, it's 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 very, the film's very nineties in its structure. It starts with a you know an integral scene like basically the, yeah. the climax of the film, and then it kind of does. A, oh wait, I'll take you back to and tell you the whole story. And um, takes you back to, to their childhood. And um, we kind of get to meet the kind of cast of characters. Uh, supposedly in Paula Lynn's novel, the, the character, there are three main characters that kind of get perspective. And here Rocket kind of acts as the yeah the main narrator for the piece. Which is one of the things that I, I did, I find a little like narratively confusing about it. It's like, okay, Rocket's our narrator, but there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that he wouldn't have been privy to. But anyway, it's a nitpick, but um, yeah. So Yeah, I noticed so. there was a, not only do they just do the start the movie and then do the rest of it as a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that a couple of times. Yeah, where he'll get ahead this. of himself, but, and like as the narrator. Yeah, like you'll. There's a few times where you'll see a scene, and then they flash back to something. I mean, and and it's a little jarring, but it doesn't happen enough where it's, you know, still not easy to follow. No, and it, and I feel just like stylistically, it sets. And I know it's 2002, not the 90s, but it kind of sits in that kind of yeah. style that was popular then. Style of disconnected narrative. You might be able to blame, you know. Pulp Fiction and such for kind of kicking that off, but um, that's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like so. There's a lot of like title cards and stuff. Like uh, there's chapters really. Like he's the way he's yeah. telling the story. He'll be like, oh, so you, uh, in order to understand what you just saw, and not not in these words, the script isn't that bad. But <laughs> like in order yeah. to understand what you just saw, uh, you'll have to know about this character. So let's tell the story of these characters, and then it'll flash back again within. Yeah. So it's kind of all over the place, but in a good way. Yeah. Like I don't think it's ever hard to follow. Um, I think it's a necessity because of the stories that they're telling, these vignettes that they're telling, or chapters mm-hmm. um, throughout the film. They kind of need to be told as almost a standalone, or at least it works to tell them as each like a standalone story. Um, which is kind of, you're right, Tarantino did that as well with Pulp Fiction. Um, well, even Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So I, yeah, was... is there, I mean, I don't know. Did. Tarantino didn't invent that style, though. Oh, should, no, no, not at all. I think it's it's been around. It's probably been around since people have been telling stories on film, right? Um, or even on stage. I suppose you can even do it that way. Um, it's uh, no, he didn't invent it. I think he repopularized it in the '90s. I think it became. Yeah. And then you saw a lot of that, especially like gritty dramas like this, or act, gritty kind of actiony dramas, crime dramas. 
almost exclusively are told in this manner throughout yeah. that period of time. Like that's just the way that it's done. Uh, usually you get a narrator. It's a somewhat unreliable narrator, someone who's close to the events <laughs> and, and yeah, they kind of walk like you this. through. Um, and speaking of that, I, I, the, we just recently watched Lord of War. I think that's kind of similar in, in those. It's oh, kind of sure. told it's a in good that point. fashion as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think I actually found there were some similarities, like the, not in this, the what's going on, but like style wise, those two movies are similar in some ways. So. Oh, I would agree. Um, there, there's a lot that happens here um, in this one. I don't know if you wanted to go through the whole plot, but um, we, we can kind of walk through events. some of the main points. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's, it's pretty dense, and there's a lot of characters. And um, but yeah, start off with uh, Rocket, who is a a kid. When we first meet him, this is after we go we flashback. When we first meet him as a young child, kind of watching his older brother. Um, get involved with this group of really really novice criminals like they're kind of this early version of of the street gang um the tender trio yeah, yeah. the tender trio no because they they were very staunchly against you know killing anyone or unnecessary violence they were just kind of holding people up because they were you know Ro- yeah. robin hood type kind of stuff i think is the influence at first and they're going to hold up the the, the gas br- truck the gas truck and you know because the because they're broken um and Everybody goes running and grabbing, you know, propane canisters and tanks off the truck, and but yeah, and then it kind of starts building from there, though. Like yeah, they start looking so, for a bigger. So that's when we return. first meet this the character of uh, Little Z, which um, or yeah, is it little 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 D say at little, first, but, little D say at first, yeah, yeah. and then. Uh, who is another child, like Rocket's age, uh, who kind of joins up with the gang, but um, right away he has kind of a darker streak. He's much more of a, I don't know what you'd say, what well, you would call him, but much more of a criminal than the others. Like, he's uh, has well, no... He's a little psychopath. Yeah, yeah, sociopath. <laughs> he has no qualms yeah. about killing people. In fact, he goes into a place where they botch a job and literally assassinates many people to the point where the tender trio take the rap for this mass murder yeah because and, they're they're in there they go into a into a motel which is pretty much a whorehouse yeah yep and they decide to just go in while everybody's doing their business and just rob them yep and room by room out. just yeah go yep, run through and go rob through. everybody and they actually get out well, as they're they're finishing this up, they start hearing gunfire, and so they get out. As they the fig- police are they riding. figure the cops are co- are coming. Yeah, yeah, and it turns out that no, it was Little Dice when he fired through the window and then decided to go in and just start shooting everybody. Yeah. In like assassinations, it, that was essentially a pretty jarring scene because <laughs> he was bored. <laughs> yeah, he was bored, and then he found out this is fun to him, and so mm-hmm. he just guns down everybody. Um, and so then there's, yeah, this big police investigation trying to find these three. So, and that. Yeah. The, who's the and other guy you meet? Is it. Uh, I was trying to remember what his name is. Uh, um, it's. Uh, there's Shaggy, Clipper, and Goose are the original three guys. And uh, Shaggy's the one that gets gunned down in the, the pretty intense scene in by, by the police. He's running through the, through the slum and they're. Yeah. firing at him 
Uh, He's trying to get away, too. Goose, who's Rocket's older brother, is actually killed by little Dise. He catches up with him, not knowing that he's he was involved in that in any way, and little Dise just offs him. They hadn't they hadn't gotten along. Goose Goose I think could tell little Dise was bad news and uh didn't want him involved in any way. And, yeah. Uh, and then after the demise of the Tender Trio, we get kind of moved flashed forward to the next chapter where uh little Dise has become a the head of a drug gang, uh, one of the drug gangs in the neighborhood. The slum is built up from a bunch of little, like, board and plank homes into something that looks more like an urban neighborhood. Um, and um, Dice is now going by Lil Zay, as for short, mm-hmm. and uh, is, yep. yeah, running as an adult. Well, closer to an adult. They're all still pretty young people, like our teens probably, but... Um, yeah, it's working his way up in this, uh, working as a drug kingpin. And we yeah. see a little bit of that going on. And then I think we get a flashback from there to kind of show how he became, you know. Yeah, you see he's got this weird little ceremony going with some some guy. Um, but I was also going to mention when Shaggy gets shot by the police, he's trying to escape with a girl that he's met. Yeah. And what draws the police there is a guy I can't remember his name but there was a guy who was kind of around them and he beats his wife to death mm, yeah and then buries her and the police are there exhuming the body and then somebody rats out Shaggy and so the police are That's still right. looking for mm. these guys and so they you know, but that was that was an intense they do a lot to show how hard it is to live in this community and how how yeah. messed up people are well and how hard it is to get out too like every time someone makes plans they're like i'm done with this life i'm gonna go do better i got this money now i'm gonna get out of this place and it just it comes back and bites them every time so yeah Um, yeah it's it's an important scene i think that that shows like yeah there's no escape yeah from this um and you know the and rocket is is uh, as you mentioned like the narrator through this notice he's here the entire time Mm -hmm. throughout all of the story he's still stuck here um but yeah, they do a couple of flashbacks to like how Little Z takes over the distribution center, the apartment. Yep. Which is actually kind of a, I don't want to say a neat scene, but it's it's interesting how it's told. You know, what was it? It was like there was a woman who, yeah, like small time sold weed out of her apartment to pay the pay for somebody, I think. Like to pay for somebody's yeah, it was bills or to something. To pay like the that. yeah, to basically to just make ends meet. It was a small scale like selling yeah. your friends and neighbors kind of thing and right. built and on. And then from kids there. Yeah, and kids started then becoming the runners and then as they started growing up then other it became a little bit just big enough where somebody took it over mm-hmm. and then it just this apartment just keeps getting taken over by different drug gangs. Yep. Yeah, and it, they kind of show it through just just a camera inside of the apartment and characters coming and yeah. going, essentially walks you through the his, the whole quick history of it. Um, yeah. And, and I, there's also the, the other drug runner, Carrot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Carrot runs the other gang um, that is that little Zay, that, that they're kind of like feuding throughout most of the movie, the mm-hmm. narrative of the movie. So, 
to the point where, you know, towards the climax of this, like, every character you've met or see living in the City of God is on one side or the other. Like, all the youth in this entire neighborhood are just, you know, enlisted in yeah. one way or the other. And, uh... Yeah. Literally have gone to war, like... Uh, or even the cops don't get involved. Like, no, they yeah, show yeah. up at a scene, and they go, now this isn't worth it, let them kill each other, and they leave. Yeah. And I, I think it's a very, and I think that that that's among the most poignant things about this film is it is set in a place that's foreign to us, but I feel like when you hear stories about like you know uh, poor neighborhoods and 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 gangs in in America, you, you have a lot of these same phenomenons and maybe not quite on the scale, but but I don't think it's as foreign as it seems, uh, which is you know something to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I. I I don't know, I guess it just kind of goes with the... You're seeing how, like you just said, like how some of these these systems work. You know, it, it a lot of movies kind of just pour like, oh, well, we take the drugs, we give them to kids, and they go distribute it. But there's intricacies to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... You're familiar with the book Freakonomics? Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's a couple of them, and then there's a podcast. But in the first Freakonomics book, and I, I forget names and stuff, but there's a chapter where they talk about a guy who was doing some kind of sociological survey in Chicago and he decided to go to you know what was Caprini Green and that mm-hmm. neighborhood on the the west side and interview people about racism so you've got like this white guy walking around Caprini Green asking <laughs> people about racism or something yeah. like some sociological thing and he ended up wandering into or knocking on the door of a of a big drug kingpin and, of course, they kept him there for a day because they were like, who the fuck are you? And, you know, it was the kind of shit you'd read about or, you know, in, in the news or see in the movies. But he got talking to the main, I guess, king drug lord or whatever, um, who told him that actually he had gone to college and worked in the loop for a while for a couple investment firms, but decided this was still a better way of making money. But he had, and he kind of showed him his whole system for how, like, he treats this like a corporation and the whole point in the Freakonomics book was how it's like, it's pretty much the same way McDonald's works <laughs> with their franchising and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And so those type of of ways of people doing business, yes, this is a black market drug cartel, but the same type of intri- you know, intricacies are there. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not trying to advocate for these types of organizations, of course, but it's, it's not oh. like... It's not as simple as people We think. have a connotation that it's a couple of thugs hanging out by the playground selling joints to grade school kids or something. Right. And then, no, I mean, these are these are giant, you know, businesses. I mean, they're yeah. it, it, no better. There's not really a better word for it. It's, it's, a, it's a large business that's run from the top down, like a business often, you know. And, yeah, maybe at the very bottom of, of the ladder you got the, the guy hanging out by the playground selling little bags of drugs to whoever, but... But there's whole all kinds of levels of that, and it goes right up to oh yeah, you know, it, it right up to Wall up. Street, really. <laughs> like it's just like pretty yeah, much. So. I mean, to, to some degree, absolutely. I mean, at least in how it's structured. So right. Um, and even in in films like this, they're showing that even in these horribly poverty-stricken neighborhoods, it's the same type of of politics going on. Except, unfortunately, in this case, they're resolving it with horrible violence. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this is that it, it is it, Rocket's story. It shows you that there's a balance. Uh, although it's not, you know, it's not a, 
he's not advocating that any of these people are good or doing good things, but there's a balance that's maintained. There's a, there's a code of ethics even within these right. drug these drug gangs until a sociopath like Little Zay gets involved in this and totally right. throws the rules out the window, and then it becomes then it's a war. And I think I think that's what good a lot of these good crime movies or gang movies all the way back to you know depression gangsters and and stuff like that the, you always have that person that's going to throw the rules book out the window and that's what throws everything into turmoil and yeah so it kind of yeah. turns into yeah. in a very like you know modern gritty um crime like modern gritty way it turns into a classical crime movie and like a gangster movie in a, in a way so right um, and not to jump to the end right away but there's there's an indication that also the, when when you have a disruption in a system and you introduce something like chaos chaos is what moves forward then yeah you know with whoever takes it up similar to i know we don't usually get political on here but similar to what we see you know with like the rise of trumpism Mm. And even though he's not present anymore, we still have this infiltration of that kind of MAGA mentality into other parts of government. Yeah. And so they took, you they know, introduced chaos. I mean, the, they introduced chaos and chaos not... reigns then. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's very hard to build that sustainability, that balance. And it's so easy to disrupt it. And it's hard to, you know, put it back in the bottle to mix metaphors. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, little Z, and I guess before. I don't know if this is the appropriate time, but it's it seems um, it seems like it needs mentioning um, the performance by uh, was it Leandro Firmino uh, who plays Little Zay in the movie um, oh. is incredibly good. He's 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 just de- detestable in the best way. Like he's he he does really well playing the part. Uh, what I wanted to mention is that the the filmmakers of this cast almost exclusively non-actors um, yeah most of the people that are in this film um actually are people that grew up in the real city of god or around the slums of brazil or in, in rio and they wanted to they, they cast them for authenticity and mm-hmm. the only person who is a career actor also a brazilian actor and filmmaker is the guy that played carrot matthias nick i don't know Nactergale, I think is how you say his last name. I don't know, um, but he he was I don't the speak Portuguese. Yeah, he was the one. Uh, <laughs> he was the one, um, you know, seasoned actor. Everyone else is is literally just you know they they put a casting call out and they just grabbed kids to come in and read for this stuff. And I was so impressed with the performances they got out of some of these. I mean, it obviously oh, yeah. they're, they're, these are situations that if, you know, living where they live, they probably grew up around some of these situations and, um, so yeah, they something to pull from. Right. But just, I mean, especially in the, in the, in the case of Lil Zay and I think rocket and Benny, like all these main characters, these are all basically non-actors at this point. Some of them gone on to do more things, but, um, it's incredibly impressive because they're great, really great they got great performances out of these people so yeah the performance of of little say so you know d say grown up really reminded me of um lorenz tate in menace to society mm-hmm. who is really uncomfortable every time you're on he's on the screen you're worried because he's that loose cannon mm-hmm. and it's it's really a, a an effective villain in a way uh i mean i guess he really kind of is a villain in this yeah um 
He's, he's really terrifying. He's just such because a good, he's so off the wall. He's so unpredictable. He's so well characterized. I mean, not at first. At first, he's kind of almost mythical in a way, and then and then you see him as a kid, and then. Um, but they do a really great job because then they they give you a moment uh, at Benny's go Benny's uh, um, another one of these uh, street kids. He's, he becomes a little Zay's partner, uh, running yeah. the drug gang, and he's kind of Zay's conscience for a while because they respect one another. They were kids together. They were running around with the the tender trio and and such. And Benny's kind of his his better half. Uh, and Benny decides he's getting out. So it's going to do this thing again. Like, you know, he's met this girl. He's going to leave. Kind of the, we're going to watch the repeat. Yep. Of, and this is intentional. It repeats the shaggy situation. And, uh, but you have this great scene at the Benny's going away party where Lil Zay is trying to kind of act like a normal person. Like he's trying to interact. You know, he asks the girl to dance. And, and when he's rejected, becomes so like, just enraged by the rejection that he, you know, humiliates her boyfriend who ends up, yeah, yeah, being knockout Ned. But, <laughs> um, well, also yeah. when, um, when Rocket, when this is happening, um, you know, when Rocket kind of you know, meets the girl, he's kind of hanging out with the hippies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you also are first introduced to the, the runts. Yeah. These, these real little kids that are like little petty criminals, but like probably grade school level kids, grade school to middle yeah. school. And they're fucking terrifying. Yeah. And you they're know? also opportunists. Like they're the, the drug gangs will manipulate that or like use them to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... So it's like, you're looking at the next generation. Mm-hmm. Of they are the, they are Benny and little D from the beginning. Like that's, yeah. that's those kids only, you know, from what they more of them. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that they actually start playing into this more too, um, in in a few moments as, as kind of showing that they're not just these kids to be ignored. They're mm-hmm. they're a wrench in, in further wrench in the machine. But they start taking on more of that kind of psychotic. They're pretty much I don't want to say idolizing, but they're modeling themselves more after Little Z. So yeah, that. That's what, you know, when you mentioned, like, the chaos and then the chaos continues, that's the next generation of it. Yeah. So the balance isn't, isn't coming back at any time. When you, yeah, you have this nice balance of a situation where, you know, if you're running the gang the way that, what was his name, was it, is Blackie the character that um, runs yeah. it before that Carrots, Zay yeah. takes it over for? Or is that, no, that's Carrot's buddy. Um, yeah, Carrot's manager. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the guy that anyway. Before Zay takes over, the little Zay yeah. takes over the anyway. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, he but, was he was he was in charge of the apartment before Zay walked in and just said, "We're taking this." Yeah, and he let him walk. Was the right yeah. and um, so the way that they're running things is uh, no, like, I guess we commented on that earlier, but there there's there's a certain amount of you know. It, it may be a messed up moral compass, but there's still a code of ethics that's being, and I think that's the way that somebody like as Carrot, who's characterized as being fairly level-headed, um, and really I think is somebody who would would embrace a peace situation, is hesitant to go to war um, until it starts happening, and then I think they're just all kind of taken over by it. But yeah, um, so yeah, Zay's the the ingredient that. 
I kind of forgot where I was going with that, but <laughs> I, I'm tired. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, I mean, uh, so, so yeah, the, the that really, you're right. The going away party kind of really starts the war. Right. And then so. that it shows like a year later, it's still going on. Um, and both sides are growing. Little Z has brought in the runts and he's given them guns. Um, and they start, they start, he also, little Zay's also paid off the police. So he's not really worried. Like his empire is really growing. Yeah. And this is when Rocket's photography really starts becoming more and more important to him because he starts taking pictures of the gangs. Yeah. Yeah, And, and specifically is requested like to take pictures. Lil Zay tells him to take pictures of him and, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to use those pictures to kind of promote himself as this, you know, badass drug criminal that runs a city of God, so, or drug lord. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this whole war is actually, I think we briefly mentioned it, but started because of the humiliation of a guy named Knockout Ned and the eventual rape and murder of his girlfriend by yeah. Zay and his, his gang. So, um, and after that point, the other gang, it's pretty much all bets are off. Like, anyone who's associated yeah. with Lil Zay is your enemy, and, yeah, so it's... Right. So then, that's right around the time that the movie then picks back up with where it... Where it you know, started. its climax, yeah. you know, where it started at the beginning. But I there's the one imagery that they, they have kind of bookending this film then, and it's with chickens. <laughs> yep. And it... I don't know. It, it you've got this animal that's trying to run away. He's trying to get. He he cuts his bonds and tries to get away. Yeah. Tries to get away, and he still ends up there. <laughs> yeah. He's still stuck, and yeah. so it's uh, no matter how he runs, no matter you know, and he's kind of weaving in and out of all of these all of this danger. It's this really cool scene, and I don't know. I mean, you can't really control a chicken, but mm-hmm. you know, it's almost it almost gets run over and all of this in one take. And it, I don't know, it just, I can see why they use it on the cover of the poster and why they keep going back to it, because it's a really interesting metaphor for being stuck in a situation that's like, you're all chickens in the same coop. Yep. And, you know. And yeah, you. So. It, and I think it's just a repeat of that again. Like, even though his bonds are cut and he's free, like, he can't really get out. The danger is everything's there and you can't really get away from it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so, a heavy metaphor, and we see it play out. We see it once with yeah. Shaggy. We see it with Benny. Um, we see we see Rocket in the end look like he's going to come out okay, um, but he seems to be the yeah. exception to the rule. Um, but. Well, yeah, because he he takes he sees that when um, Little Zay is arrested, he's pretty much the, the cops take everything from him. Yeah, you know because they've been he's been paying them off well they took it all back um but then he also sees when he gets gunned down mm-hmm. <laughs> and decides well what do i do do i and he takes a picture of it and it's a pretty horrific scene but yeah and there's a lot of horrific scenes in this there movie. there's uh, a lot of horrific scenes yeah they definitely like uh you know trigger warnings to anyone that's a you know childhood trauma and abuse because there is some some pretty graphic depictions of violence to children in this movie which is something you don't see often for good reason i'm not i'm not damning this movie i think it's used for the you know for reasons of telling the story i think it's kind of necessary but 
Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's it's not light on the blood. I'll give no, it that. It's not pretty. Um, it's it's an incredibly violent movie, especially when you look at like the the and I guess it's kind of moving to the next phase of the discussion, but. Um, where this movie sits and kind of its reputation and it's, it's on all of these like hundred best movies of all time. Um, it's just one of those, like it's, it's a critically lauded and it, all for good reasons. It's a really, really great movie. Um, and, but I, I, I look at like those lists and maybe with the, with the exception of maybe like Goodfellas, that's also on a lot of them. Like the, I don't uh-huh. know of many of the movies as violent as this that are quite as well re- revered, but yeah, I mean, I can see the Goodfellas comparison because it's the same kind of story. It's a story about organized crime and growing up around it and becoming part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it reminded me of that. It reminded me a little bit of Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, well, I, I'm just I, I should mention too. We we didn't talk about this before. I'd never seen this before. Um, so um, yeah, and I, I'd I'm, seen I'm, it a couple times. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was my my wife that recommended this one for the podcast so she was the audience member that brought it to us so um yeah it's a favorite of hers and i yeah i i've so i've seen it a couple times over the okay years. yeah i've never seen this one so i'm watching it in 2023 it came out in 2002 yeah um so yeah slumdog millionaire obviously came out much later but right uh, it, but... it reminded i can see some perilous it's i think it was this the the harsh kind of low income well poverty stricken and you know crime ridden setting that you see in both films uh but it also reminded me a lot of traffic yeah uh, I can in see showing that, how which what's brilliant about that film um and the movie crash i wanted to mention too is they show how easy it is to pull people into this type of world this underworld um and they also think it, it focuses it, it more in tra- the, the the case of traffic than well I'm a, maybe i'm thinking the opposite crash than traffic how like events of one situation just have shockwaves that kind of go that, that affect everything yeah. going on and all the characters that you've met are all affected in some way different ways by you know everything else going on so it's right. all kind of interconnected yeah so i can see why this gets a lot of uh praise it's beautifully filmed mm-hmm. um the the pacing of it is really good i mean it was very easy to to kind of settle into this one it, it's it's riveting I it's guess, just know, a little over use. two hours but you get a lot it, it's kind of packed with like i don't know the pace of it's frantic almost at a lot of places but yeah but yeah but it plays really well it, it the story is told wonderfully i think i can't i can't believe after reading about this that you know the almost the entire cast is non-actors because it's the cast is generally brilliant like everyone's really good in this yeah it's it's kind of what they ended up doing with that tv show the wire you know like let's just get Mm -hmm. people that have lived this lifestyle to play these characters and you know you you can you can teach someone to act you can't teach them to to you know live a different life right so if you need someone in a film that has lived that life then you, you use them so yeah and this is a great example of it. Yeah, I was I was surprised to read that these were all like non-actors. Yeah, yeah, Initially, I was. Or most of them were. Yep. And have a lot of them gone on to actually? Um, only some, I think. Uh, we mentioned uh, Leandro Firmino, 
who yeah, played he's Little Zay. Gone on he's gone on to quite be a lot of stuff. Quite a, yeah, a few things like like bigger like Hollywood movies. Like and, yeah, um, uh, looks like looks like a general like most of the main cast did attempt to act. Most a lot some of them it just says is a Brazilian actor, which means they probably never broke into like American movies. But sure. Um, yeah, but have done continued acting there. Um, but yeah, so it's it's pretty crazy to me. Um, the guy who played Knockout Ned in the movie is actually a, a musician. He he's a, a music, musician, songwriter, and of some fame in Brazil now. So, but mostly post post City of God. So but. yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool when you see a film like this that really. You know, it, it launches some careers because it gives people a chance. Captain Phillips is another one, which I haven't seen, but I know about from Reputation. That yeah, does yeah. that as well with the with the pirates. You know, they actually had people that lived in that kind of a lifestyle, or at least were exposed to it. So, it 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 really made this is almost has a documentary feel to it. Right. It, it's at least entirely believable because of the the authenticity of of the the actors and the characters they're playing i think so mm -hmm. um so yeah hats off to the filmmakers on that one it was a a great decision that paid off they it said in the air that i commented in that synopsis that i that i read that it was mostly shot on site in brazilian slums um they actually commented on uh and i got this off wikipedia i think but uh, so they did not actually shoot in the city of God because the neighborhood to to the day when they were shooting this is still way too dangerous to work in. So they they did shoot in Rio, but not in the city of God. So yeah, uh, that makes sense. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand, yeah, why, but that yeah. that that synopsis made it sound like they did. So it just it reminds me briefly about how uh, filmmaker Larry Cohen did a lot of his early. Uh, kind of exploitation films uh, yeah. in some pretty rough neighborhoods in Harlem, New York, shot in Harlem, in Harlem and stuff. Yeah. But he had he had uh, earned the graces of the mob bosses around there, so he mm -hmm. never filmed with a permit, and no one ever really bothered him. <laughs> so he he was you gotta he know was, the right uh, people. You got to know that. Yeah, it was <laughs> nepotism at its best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they were going to be able to pull that one off here. Yeah, no, um, I don't think just, so. Well, I don't know. Maybe they tried and just found out it wasn't worth it. But uh, yeah, this one won a ton of awards too. Yeah, it went on to be nominated for like all over the world, just being a, a well appreciated movie. It was on like most of the major critics' top ten lists of the year. Roger, Roger Ebert put it at number two film of of two thousand two. Um, yeah, so. It's like I said, it's on many best ever lists. It was nominated for four Oscars, didn't win any, but um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't remember how we first stumbled on this one, but I think I remember hearing buzz around it. I probably saw this when it was only a couple years old the first time. So. Oh wow! Um, and then didn't see it for many years, and I think we we found it in a used store somewhere, and we're like, oh, that was a really good movie, and we bought it and watched it again. And so this is, I think, my third time seeing it, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know, like all all three times I've seen it, I've been incredibly impressed with it. Just it's it's not an easy movie to watch because no. it's about a lot of heavy stuff, but it's it's very well worth it. I think it's a it's a well made movie. It's a good interesting story, and um, 
and and technically just put together very well. I think it's a good good movie. Nice. So it's worth all of that. So anyway, I'm kind, I would of, agree. kind of reviewing yeah. it already, but maybe we should uh, sure <laughs> take that step. And uh, uh, unless you had anything else you wanted to get to, no. We... Um, I, I, overall, yeah, this wasn't what I was expecting. In fact, because it's such a departure from what we usually talk about on the show, it was. I I because we haven't recorded in a few weeks. I messaged the other day saying, "Are yeah. we watching? What are we watching?" You said "City of God." I yep. looked it up. Really? And I had to double check. Is there <laughs> another one? Like, is there some yeah odd sci-fi movie? We don't usually watch um, one of the top hundred films of all time here. So right. So and um, I think I watched it. Corey's it, 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 like motivation for for naming it is because we we use the word underappreciated or underseen like movies do you think more oh, people yeah. should see and she's like oh city of god everybody you know like, like everyone needs to see that one so that's how it landed here so and i would uh, agree um absolutely yeah. i think that i can see why this has been put on so many lists of some of the greatest films ever made uh just for the the cinematography uh the performances the screenplay, the pacing, everything just works really well. It, it draws you in. It, it's a, a very suspenseful film. It's very sad. Um, I had to pause it quite a lot because my, my kids kept walking in. I'm like, this is not something they need to see. Um, yeah, we were at watching one point, the had, a, had a kid wake up, actually, and like almost get to the point where he would have been like behind us watching it. And <laughs> yeah, Luckily, we yeah paused it at my, eight good point yeah yeah i paused it when my son walked in this morning and he was like are, are is that the good guy and i was like uh well <laughs> kind of nobody in this in a way there's yeah. a character you really hope makes it but everybody's kind of doing shit um but overall yeah i was i don't know how i i missed this one for all these years but i'm really glad i, I actually finally got around to seeing it uh this is definitely an a yeah um, or an a plus really i don't have any gripes about it it's it's a really powerful film uh that even from a if you you know not interested in the story from a cinematography perspective it's worth seeing just the way that they shoot this the slum they really impart a uh kind of a claustrophobic feeling and a feeling of dread in every scene to to mirror what it's like to be there to grow up in that yeah yeah, and I, I'm going to echo all of that. I think this is a fantastic movie, and and I kind of knew that going in that that was going to be having seen it before, but also I expected you know anyone you show this to is probably going to at least appreciate it uh, for what it is. It's uh, yeah, it's incredible, and I, I like that you mentioned the claustrophobia thing. It was something I was thinking about at the slum, the way they depicted City of God, the the, the city or the, the neighborhood itself as a character starts off as this kind of like really bleak barren, like plank board houses and yeah. stuff. And then it just kind of like builds around to the point where it's almost a walled, you know, yeah. prison like esque towards the end. Like that's the, with the shootouts and stuff happening and uh, you can't see sky anymore. It's just like, um, and I'm sure that's all very intentional, but it's just mm -hmm. a very smart movie on so many levels uh it's it's very moving um depressing and and sad but um it definitely hits all the right emotional notes it needs to uh it and justifies the, the extreme amount of violence that they use to tell the story um but yeah it's it's rewarding watch it's it's great it's a, i think it belongs on all of those lists of essential movies i think if you haven't seen this one um and we you know go out and go go out and look it up because it's uh 
it's kind of a must see. I'm gonna give this one a. I am gonna give this one an A plus. It's it's about as good as they come for this kind of a movie. So. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's there's little arguing that. But of course, we would love to open up the conversation to anybody who's listening. And uh, what are your thoughts on City of God? Which I should also mention there was a follow up, 2007 film City of Men and a TV series. But I've not explored those either. But yeah, and I never have to. either. I, I was just reading about those and thinking like, oh, I've I've enjoyed this three times now. I should probably go and look at. The, those are pretty critically acclaimed as well, the series and movies. So. Yeah, so if uh, any of our listeners have seen this or its semi-sequel uh, and TV series, we would love to hear any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms, and you can send those to the Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod and on our Facebook and Instagram pages for the Video Junk Air Podcast. If you write it, we'll read it, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we hope you'll come back and join us for more movies here on the Video Junkyard Podcast. Um, lots of good stuff coming up. Next week we're going to be watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, followed by Dolls, Wayne's World, and then, of course, many of your audience picks that you'll be sending in to us. So uh, keep those coming in, and uh, we'll keep um, coming up with some good stuff to put on the schedule. Hope you'll come back and join us for all of that. Absolutely. We definitely hope you'll join us again. And until next time, this is the Video Junkyard Podcast, and I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Even if it's me, if it means just me, what's getting bad? Cause I can You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>